Section three of Four American Indians by Edson L. Whitney and Francis M. Perry. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Story of King Philip, Chapters five and six. Chapter five Philip meets the English. The next day, Massasoit and sixty of his warriors visited the English. They did not go into the English village, but stopped on the top of the hill nearby. Philip was not with them, for at this time he was too young to go so far away from home. We can't imagine his feelings, however, when he saw his father and the warriors start out on their journey. They were dressed in costumes that would look very strange if seen on our streets today. Their clothing was made of the raw skin of wild animals. Their feet were protected by moccasins made of thin deer skin. Each one was tall, erect, and active, with long, coarse, black hair falling down his back. None of them had any physical deformities, for it was the custom of the tribe to kill any child that was born deaf, dumb, blind, or lame. Each one was decked with his personal ornaments. These did not consist of gold, silver, diamonds, or any other precious stone so familiar to us. The Indians knew nothing about these. Their ornaments consisted of earrings, nose rings, bracelets, and necklaces made out of shells or fish bones or shining stones, which were very common in that neighborhood. Their faces were smeared with heavy daubs of paint. Each one had a cloak thrown over his shoulders, and he also wore a headdress made of feathers or quills. To Philip it seemed as if he had never seen anything so imposing. We can imagine how eagerly Philip listened to the stories that his father told when he came back home, how the settlers came out to meet him on the hill, and made him a present of three knives, a copper chain, and an earring, besides several good things to eat, very different from anything he had ever tasted before. Then Massasoit described the treaty that he had made with the pale-faces in which the settlers and the Wampanoags had agreed to remain friends and to help each other in every way they could. To make the treaty as strong as possible, the pale-faces had written it down on paper and had signed their names to it. The Indians did not know how to read or write. That was something that they had never heard of before but they drew rude pictures at the end of the writing and called these pictures their names. Philip never tired of listening to the stories about the pale faces. He was still too young to be taken to their settlement, but he longed for a chance to see them. Suddenly, one day in the middle of the summer of 1621, about four months after the Indians had made their treaty with the whites, six warriors came into the little Indian village at Mount Hope with two men, who Philip saw were pale faces. They were not so tall as the Indians. They were thicker set, and their faces were covered with beards. Massasoit recognized them immediately, for they were some of the party that he had met at Plymouth. They had come on a friendly visit to him, and had brought him a red cotton coat and a copper chain. Philip was greatly pleased to see the pale faces, of whom he had heard so much. He listened to their stories, answered their inquiries in regard to Indian life, and learned what he could about their homes and customs. After this, the settlers called on the Indians many times, and Philip soon became very well acquainted with them. 
during the next few months several white men came from england and settled in weymouth a few miles north of plymouth these new settlers were not so honest as those that had settled at plymouth they stole from the indians and otherwise injured them and caused them to plot against all the whites in the country but before their plans were carried out massasoit was taken sick the medicine man was called in the medicine man was the physician he had learned the medicinal virtues of a few simple herbs he knew how to bind up wounds and bark with certain preparations of leaves and he could also cure a few fevers he went through many magical ceremonies with howls roars and antics of various kinds if the sick man became well the medicine man took all the credit if the patient died then the medicine man said that the bad spirit had too strong a hold on him but the medicine man did not help massasoit philip watched by his father's side and saw him grow worse day by day he remembered how only a few years before the smallpox had carried away large numbers of the indians and now he began to think that the days of his father too were numbered but one day a pale-face one of the leaders of the colony of plymouth came into the indian village he sent the medicine man away and tenderly nursed massasoit himself he gave him medicine nourished him with several little delicacies and brought him slowly back to health massasoit was so grateful for the kindness shown him that he told the pale-faces of the indian plot against them the whites at Weymouth were driven away, and the pale-faces at Plymouth continued to live on most excellent terms of friendship with the Wampanoags. In the years that followed, Philip became better acquainted with the whites, and while he never loved them, he had great respect for their wisdom. CHAPTER Six: PHILIP'S EDUCATION During the next twenty years many more white men came and settled on or near the lands of the Wampanoags. In the meantime, Philip grew to manhood and received the same education that was given to the other young men of his tribe. It was very different from the education received by us today. The Indians had no schools. Philip did not learn his ABCs or the multiplication table. He never learned how to read or write. He knew nothing about science and could not even count or keep track of time. His education was of a different character and was intended to make him brave, daring, hardy, and able to bear pain, for these things were thought by the Indians to be of the greatest importance. He was taught to undergo the most horrible tortures without a word of complaint or a sigh of anguish. He would beat his shins and legs with sticks, and run prickly briars and brambles into them in order to become used to pain. He would run eighty to one hundred miles in one day, and back in the next two. When he neared manhood, he was blindfolded and taken into the woods far from home to a place where he had never been before. There he was left with nothing but a hatchet, a knife, and a bow and arrows. The winter was before him, and he was expected to support himself through it. If he was unable to do so, it was better for him to die then. Philip passed the lonely winter far away from home. Many times did he wish that he was back in his father's wigwam, where he could talk with his parents and his brothers and his friends, and know what the pale-faces were doing. But he knew that if he returned to his little village before the winter was over, he would be branded as a coward, 
and never be considered worthy to succeed his father as sachem what he philip a prince afraid no 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 of course he was not afraid what was there to be afraid of had he not always lived in the woods still he was a little lonely and once in a while he wanted someone to talk with so philip went to work with a will with his hatchet he cut down some small trees made them into poles and placed one end of them in the ground with his knife he cut some bark from the trees and laid it over the poles so that he had a fairly comfortable shelter from the storms and winds which he knew would soon surely come then he spent several days in hunting birds and wild game in the forest with his bow and arrows he shot enough to support himself through the winter many an adventure did he have many a time did he lie down at night without having tasted food during the whole livelong day many a savage beast did he see and on several occasions he climbed trees or crawled into caves or ran as fast as he could to get out of their way but he had a strong will he knew that the son of the grand sachem of the wampanoags could do anything that any other indian had done and so he passed the long cold winter bravely and without complaining in the spring when his father and friends came after him they found him well and strong his winter's work had made him healthy and rugged he was taken home and a feast was prepared in honor of massasoit's son who had returned to his home stronger than when he had gone away the fall before during the next two moons for the indians counted by moons and not by months as we do philip led an idle life he did no work of any kind he was taking his vacation after the hard winter life he had led alone in the woods but his education was not yet finished his body had been made strong it was next necessary to strengthen his constitution against the evil effects of poison he again went into the forest and daily found poisonous and bitter herbs and roots these he bruised and put the juices into water which he drank then he drank other juices which acted as antidotes and prevented his sickness or death he did this day after day until his constitution became used to the poisons and he was able to drink them freely without any harm coming to him then he went home the people sang and danced and gave him another great feast he was now considered a man and ready to marry and have a wigwam of his own the wedding ceremony was extremely simple there were no presents no flowers no guests no ceremony no banquet philip simply asked a certain woman to come and live with him she came and was thereafter his wife or squaw as the indians called her we have no record of the date of his marriage for the indians kept no such records we only know that it took place soon after his return from his battle with poisons in the woods End of section 3